following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi, everybody. This is former WWE superstar Al Snow. And- CWN is Sean Oliver. My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Now get on the train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show here on the WZWA Network. I am your host with the most on the West Coast, California, in Fury, and I'm very excited to be with you here tonight. It's midnight. I've got my red wine, bro. I'm ready to go. Um, and, you know, I'm excited, man. You know how difficult it is getting one person on the show. We managed to get two guys at the same time, and they're both in t- different time zones to each other as well as us. So we've done well. Pat on the back. I'll do the old Barry Horowitz. Okay, so without any further ado, it's my honor, my privilege to introduce to everyone here on the show. They are 16-time USWA Tag Team Champions. They are JC Ice, Jamie Dundee, Wolfie D, PG-13. How you going, boys? What's going on, bro? I'm very well. I'm very well. It's 10 a.m. I'm going to have a beer with you guys. It's 10 Sunday morning. <laughs> that's, what was, that's, that's what we were expecting. <laughs> so, um, Our doobies can we smoke pot on this podcast? Is this a podcast or a podcast? Dude, <laughs> go for your fucking life. Go for it. I might even, you know, I might even pop off to the side. I, right. I just woke up and I got a morning joint, man, or, or, you know, shit happens in the world, but it's prescribed. I got a medical card. <laughs> <laughs> Go for your life. Um, yeah, I might even, you know, I might even pop off to the side and do the same thing in a little while. We'll see how we go. Um, That's going to so be a long-ass joint if I'm going to hand it <laughs> from here to Australia. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, I'll have my hand out the window for you. Um, I wanted to kick off the show tonight. Right, uh, right, okay. <laughs> I wanted to kick off the show tonight uh, by just uh, the sort of usual question we ask everyone on the show, and that is uh, how you guys became uh, wrestling fans. You know, what... What, what about wrestling such as in? You'll go first, Jim. Um, yeah, we'll- All right. Uh, my, my stepfather uh, came into my life when I was about eight years old, and he was a big wrestling fan and started – he watched Memphis wrestling. I lived in Nashville. He watched Memphis wrestling every Saturday morning. And basically, I sat there with him and watched it every Saturday morning, and uh, honestly, I really can't remember a time when I didn't say that's what I want to do with my life right there. It was a pretty quick decision for me. Wow, cool. Usually, uh, usually the case, as soon as you see it, you know, you love it and want to want to have it in your life. Uh, what about you, Jamie? Well, my father was a wrestler named Bill Dundee, and he came from Australia to America in 1975. So I Australian by birth, but I'm a red, a Sheely is, and I know what a bloke is, <laughs> and I, I know I know a lot of Australian ways, but my dad came from Australia to America to wrestle, and so I just became the, you know, what else was I going to do? I was the son of a wrestler, and uh, that's all I knew was wrestling, so I guess I figured, hell, I better, I better try to be a wrestler, so I, I started selling kisses to fat chicks for a dollar when I was eight years old, and that's when I knew this is, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> Wicked. And uh, where did you both train and how did you guys actually uh, both end up meeting? I trained, uh, Gypsy Joe trained me um, 
my stepfather and another guy named Rick Reynolds, uh, they were going to him uh, to get trained, and then I found out about it, and, and I ended up going with them. And uh, we trained in a in a barn in West Nashville. Um, smelled like cat piss, where it had been out in the elements for so long. It had garden uh, garden hoses for ropes. It had no canvas. It was just carpet. Uh, like I said, uh, nasty as hell. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, Joe trained me there, and uh, they pretty much threw me in the ring pretty quick. I probably didn't train for, man, maybe a total of shit, 10, 12 hours or something like that. I mean, everything they showed me, I got it pretty quick. And uh, they were anxious to throw me in the ring. And me and Jamie met in Hartsville, Tennessee, rest each other. I was called Airwolf and he was uh, Jamie Dundee. And we just kind of, we had good matches against each other. And then it was Chris Champion. Um, the Ninja Turtle, Wild Side, or what was the uh, New Breed, New Breed, Chris Champion. Uh, he he told us we should be a tag team because I started doing, Chris Champion. Yeah, I started doing the Wolfie D thing uh, before Jamie actually joined me, and we came up with PG thirteen. Awesome man, and uh, so what was the sort of the genesis and idea of uh, sort of forming a team? And you sort of briefly. Uh, sort of explain it there, but what was the sort of what was the idea behind the name sort of PG-13 and the idea behind that whole sort of, because it was very um, sort of edgy for its time. So what was the idea behind that in Genesis? Man, um, honestly, I was I was a huge rap fan back then, mm -hmm. 80s rap, NWA and all that. And, and this may sound crazy shit, but I was actually on the toilet taking a shit and uh, I was sitting there with a book pad and I was trying to come up with a name for me and him. And it was just, you know, two white rappers. Chris Champion had kind of done a um, Ugly Kid Joe sort of gimmick he was doing. Uh, I Hate Everything About You, that song. That yeah. was kind of hot at the time. And Chris was wearing uh, shorts, but it was not the rap sort of deal. And I just, me and Chris were cool as shit. And I, I just kind of took it from there and came up with the whole Wolfie D thing and, you know, being a, a rapper. And the hubcap actually came, we were at a show in Shelbyville and we needed a finish. And Chris actually, the, the, the dressing room was like a, a junk pile, like just, I mean, shit everywhere. And uh, Chris saw the hubcap and, and the whole flavor flavor, you know, he wore the clock. Yeah, so we, yeah, and Chris said, here, hit him with this. So that just kind of became a thing. But um, yeah, the whole thing, I was, I was on the toilet, man. I was writing down, okay, parental discretion advised. You know, that was an NWA song. And I was coming Hip Hop Express. I mean, all kinds of weird shit. But then for some reason, I don't know, I came up with PG-13. I was like, that sticks, man, because it's not a whole word. It's got, it's got two letters and two numbers. It's kind of different. So I went with that. Yeah, that's cool, man. It really does stand out. And um and I wanted to throw this question to Jamie um, when, you know, obviously your father is Bill Dundee. You've got some big shoes to fill there uh, and you totally go a separate way than the, the, the gimmick and, and uh, character he would portray doing the rap thing in PG-13. What did your father think of you uh, going uh, down this road with this gimmick? Well, it kind of started. In 1988, when Ice was hot and he had, a, but he had a lot of heat for being a white boy and a, a little rich white boy that wanted to be a thug rapper. So 
That's what I said. Well, I would just be J.C. Ice. Well, my dad actually said, why don't you be J.C. Ice, like Vanilla Ice? Because we turned heel on Bill, and I brought in Stone Cold Steve Austin and Doug Gilbert and Tony Anthony. And I kept bringing in different guys, and Bill, of course, would beat them. We'd send them down the road, and I'd bring right. in another. And we just – and then, and so that 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 gimmick that I kind of started there as the uh, the rebellious son, which really wasn't a gimmick, it was just a nineteen year old kid against his fifty year old man who didn't know nothing. And so then I, we just accumulated that into J.C. Ice and Wolfie D. So they we still kind of all went together. It just ran right into it because you know went from the white rapper un, unruly child to the twenty uh, two year old unrapper, uh, you know, chasing a dream kind of deal. So it fit. It went. It all went in hand in hand. It, it, it went well. Yeah, I could tell uh, just through my research that, um, you know, you guys really did, uh, you know, set USWA on fire with what you guys were doing down there. And you got, got to work with the likes of, you know, Brian Christopher and the Headbangers, uh, Road Dog, Tracy Smothers. Do you have any stories of uh, those early days with all of those guys and uh, partying and being young and having fun? <laughs> Wolfie does. I don't have none. Wolfie's got them all. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this is Jamie's territory right here. No, <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> I've never been lost for words. Uh, Tracy Smothers is not here to defend himself. Brian Christopher is not here to defend himself. I just don't know if I can answer any of these questions without incriminating people. Uh, <laughs> Fuck, that's a hard question. We have so many, man, that uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to fucking say. <laughs> we we had lost uh, for words for for. Uh, we had uh, one half of it. A hell of a story about Puerto Rico and, and Wolfie. We got a good Wolfie story in Puerto Rico. Tell them that story, Wolfie. That's even better. <laughs> oh, the uh, Armadito Santiago story. <laughs> yeah. Puerto Rico story was uh, Armadito Santiago. So we get down there, Dutch booking, and uh, Dutch told us, he said, go out there. I need you guys to get over. We were heels. He said, I need you guys to get over strong. And, and today, I know really more of what that means than I did in 1994 when I was 20 years old. Uh, but he said, don't take nothing. I need you to get over. And me and Jamie go out there. And I gave the guy a little bit, you know, obviously more than Dutch wanted. So we come back and he's, God damn it. I told you motherfuckers not to get, how the fuck am I supposed to get you over if you're out there selling for these fucking job guys? God, blah, 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 blah. So all week long and TV was taped on a Wednesday. And so all week long, I get ribbed about it. Oh, you let Armadito do this and do that. You thought he was going to beat you up and blah, 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 blah. So Dutch books us. <laughs> against them the very next week on TV, the same two guys. And uh, and like I said, they were job guys. They're, you know, plain tights, no ring but jackets. They were cops. They were police officers. <laughs> oh, that was, he was a, a security guard on the side, like kind of like a rental. Close enough, he had a gun. <laughs> so, so uh, all week, you know, I know I got to wrestle this guy again. I'm thinking, man, and I've heard all the stories, Brody getting killed and the Batten twins getting locked up and all this shit. So I'm in my mind, I'm, I'm going to jail. I'm, I'm dying, all this shit. So I'm thinking, <laughs> I do this motherfucker to not get beat up down here in fucking Puerto Rico. Because he was a big dude. I mean, he really was. He was a big dude. I went down to the to the Blue Dolphin. You could, it was a, a little hop, skip, and a jump from the uh, – what was the name of the hotel, Jamie, that we lived at? 
The Dahlia. The Dahlia. The yeah, cockroach as big as your fucking foot and everything. So yeah. that's where everybody stayed. But anyway, so I would walk down to the Blue Dolphin and I would start drinking. The show didn't start till what? They started at nine there, didn't they? Nine at night. Yeah, yeah. The sun didn't go so, down until eight o'clock or something. So nine, nine thirty, some shit. Yeah. So I go down there and I start drinking. And I'm and I'm thinking, drinking and thinking, and uh, <laughs> danger, danger, danger. <laughs> so I come up with an idea. I'm gonna put icy hot on my fucking fingers and not let nobody see it. Straight shoot. Uh, so we go to the ring. I don't even think I. I don't know if I told Jamie about it, but we get out there and I locked up with some bitch. And I said, "Take my arm." We took my arm. I dug at icy hot in his fucking eyes. And he couldn't see. And I started just wailing on him. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> so he's bleeding. He fucking rolls out of the ring. Uh, the people knew what was up. They knew something wasn't, uh, you know, a choreographed fight there or whatever. So they were hyped. This motherfucker goes back to the dressing room. Me and Jamie go back to the dressing room. And everybody's pissed at me. <laughs> They're like, yeah, <laughs> They turned <laughs> on us, the motherfuckers. They turned on us, man. <laughs> so... All of a sudden, me and Jamie look out in the, the arena, and there's about fucking 15 to 20 cops with shields and face masks and batons, like, surrounding the yeah. inside of <laughs> So, I'll never we gotta forget go, We got to go. Get out of here. Amy sits on the toilet and pulls his feet <laughs> And he's he's sitting on the toilet I'm, going. I'm coming out the window. I ain't going. <laughs> God damn it, we ain't going. I said, I'm, I'm out the fucking window. They're gonna kill me right now. I'm going to fucking jail here, bro. So, so the deal that we didn't realize, those cops were actually there to protect us because uh, wasn't it Joe Vika that called them? Or yeah. So this guy when he went back. Yeah, and because he had the gun, he pulled his, his gun out. out and he said, I killed the Wolfie. So Joe Vicka thought this guy was going to literally shoot me. And uh, it was, you know, the dressing uh, rooms weren't connected. Wolfie, he, Wolfie, he, he was, he was literally going to shoot you. Yes, going to shoot you. <laughs> no, he, he stopped, and they escorted me and Jamie to our car, got us, you know, got us to the car, to the hotel. And I'll never forget the next morning, it was raining. And I walked outside the Dahlia. It was very early in the morning. It was raining and there was a payphone. And I'm standing in the street getting rained on. I called Dutch. And I said, Dutch, I said, what should I do? And he said, well, Wolfie, I ain't got your back on this one. He said, you put icy hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, geez, thanks. And I hung up the phone. I went to the airport and I went straight to fuck home. And the story goes, and Jamie will tell you the rest of it today. Yeah, and yeah. the story goes, I'm laying in the fucking bed, and they're beating on my door. Boom, 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 boom. And I said, oh, fuck, man. I get up, <laughs> I go to the door, and I open up the door, and he says, I, you fight with honor, amigo. You protect your friend, but I come to kill the wolfie. I said, bro, Wolfie's gone, man. Well, I don't know much Spanish. I know how to say cocaine, chicken, and fucking milk. And I said something about cocaine, chicken, and milk, and famine, no side. He's gone, brother. He's out of here. And so he's like, uh, uh, the Wolfie, he put something in my eye, but you ice, you fight with freedom or honor or some bullshit. 
And I was like, I'm so fucking glad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that, that was a Puerto Rico story for PG-13. And they even get better than that. But we don't rem- I don't remember many of them. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's probably uh, the most dangerous story we've heard so far. Over to you, Jack. That's incredible. Um, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you another, another fucking story I do remember, if you'd like to hear a WCW story. Sure. Oh, man, go for it. Well, uh, story short, we get on the airplane and I eat a whole bunch of volumes and Xanaxes and shit, right? And so I'm nodding off and stuff. And so we, when I get to the connecting flight, I tell the chick, I go, yo, uh, yo, bitch, uh, uh, I'm fixing to lay down right here. And when, I, and when the next connecting flight comes, you wake me up and you make sure I get on this plane. And the little stewardess chick, whatever's right there. And then she's like, okay. So I lay down and I wake up and it's the whole place is empty, man. And it's completely, there's nobody there, man. So... I jump up and I say, you fucking stupid bitch. I start hammering her. I'm cussing her. You dumb cunt. I got to catch a connected fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the police come. And the reason they come is because it only been about 10 minutes. It hadn't been no fucking five hours. And there was the plane hadn't got there. But I just wouldn't <laughs> listen to the chick. So I'm hammering her. So the cops come and they put me in handcuffs. And uh, the road dog, Jesse and Brad Armstrong and Steve Armstrong are at the uh, Starbucks getting coffee. So, and uh, they just happened to be in the airport. You know, they're working for WWF, but we're in WCW, but they happened to be in the airport. So they come over and they say, look, we'll take him with us, officers, if you just let him go, said uh, he's got a lot of jet lag right now. We just flew back in from Germany. He said he's jet lag. said, we'll take him over here and get some coffee and we will uh, 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 sober him up and we'll make sure he gets on the next plane, you know, from the jet lag and send him home. And them cops are like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. So they, they unhandcuff me, and I start rubbing my wrist, and I say to Jesse, well, you know, Jesse, the only thing the North won when they won this fucking war was these greasy nigger cops, bro. They slammed me on the ground, started kicking the shit out of me, throw me in the back of the cop car and drug my ass off to jail, and guess what? When we got to jail, I said, what am I being arrested for, you greasy fucking N-word motherfuckers? And they said, for public intoxication. So I blow in the fucking drunk tube and it goes zero, 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 zero. And I go, oh, motherfucker, you fucking greasy nigger motherfucker. I start hammering them, bro. And I hammer these motherfuckers and I make them drive me all the way back to the airport, buy me a hotel room, buy me something to eat and wake me up and put me on my next plane or I am going to sue the fuck out of your police department. And that's what them poor gentlemen had to do. <laughs> and uh, I just want to tell them I'm sorry today. <laughs> that's great. But I mean, brother, if that would have been the South, then police would have pulled over and beat the shit out of me and left me laying on the side of the road. But uh, them gentlemen took it with stride, bro. But uh, that was one of my finer moments in life. Uh, yeah, don't do Xanax's, kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, fuck. Um. So September tw- uh, September 25, 95, uh, sort of getting back on track a little bit. Um, you two performed yeah. on um, Monday Night Raw and got a win over Al Brown and Sonny Rogers. Uh, how did this opportunity come about? I mean, working for the WWF would have been an, uh, an amazing opportunity for you two. Lawler, Lawler got us there. Lawler liked us, man. He got us there. Yeah, well, Cornette, Cornette actually got it in stone, but Lawler kind of stuck it. I didn't know nothing about it. Next thing I know, Wolfie's like, hey, man. We're going to go over here and write this rap song. We, get, we got to quit smoking pot, Dundee. 
I'm no, like, oh, James, fuck, man, I can't go smoking pot. You're, you're, you're getting ahead of yourself there because, no, the first, when we went and worked the smoking guns and got Oh, that, yeah, 95. Yeah, I'm man, sorry. You're right. You're right. Not to mention the die. Yeah, you're right. Law, Lawler got us that gig. That yeah. was Cornette. That was Cornette doing that for us, yeah. getting us the right. Nation Domination Rapper gig. But, no, the first time up right. was completely – and um, he he just – he liked us. And uh, quite honestly, I've said this a hundred times, we were just ahead of our time there because – the only reason they didn't keep us because they liked our work. They loved the gimmick. They kept in, in uh, you know, put other people in the gimmick because they, they thought we were too small and too crazy. Uh, outside Ryan Christopher and Scotty too hottie. Our gimm- yep. John Cena, they're all in our gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. And that point. honestly, Mexican lightweight invasion hadn't happened as of 1995 when we went to grand rapids michigan and we're on raw that hadn't happened yet the one two three kid was the only little guy ever like before we went there i think yeah was the one two three kid one what bruce pritchard uh told them he said he said i love it but they're too small and so yeah. we didn't stay uh jamie you want to tell about uh uh watts calling you that time right after that yeah, yeah, Remember because Bill, Bill Watts, my, when my dad was Bill Watts's booker and Bill Watts was really high, it, see, that was another thing. If he would have still stayed there, I believe we would have still had a job, but he left like the fucking next week after we did that tryout thing. Remember, he, he disappeared and he quit the company or whatever the fuck. But he, he said he wanted like, you know, hey, boys, I need y'all to be the Rock and Roll Express, man. You know, there's a lot of big, there's a lot of money in two little young, little good looking baby faces in the big bad hills getting heat. And he just loved the, the the tag team the way it, he just liked it. And he's like, boys, you boys, are, I, I, you know, we're going to run with this. Y'all are going to be my team. You're going to be my guys. And then we didn't think about when he quit or got fired. And he quit and got fired. So that was the end of that shit. Right. That's such a shame because, like, watching the footage, you guys fucking did a great job in both matches that I saw in 95 with the Smoking Guns in the match with Al Brown and Sonny Rogers, those two matches were awesome. And you guys got your characters over, you cut great promos. So like, to me, it just was so confusing to me that the, you guys weren't on TV going forward, but now we know why. Yeah, it's not what you know, it's who you know. You know, always in anything in the world, it's not yeah. what you know, it's who you know and if the wrong person is not there at the right time or the right person they there at the wrong time it's over you know it's uh somebody else didn't you know what i mean it's just like because because bill watts liked us then this person here probably didn't like us because it wasn't his idea or what you know however the fuck the, the politics shit works in wrestling yeah yeah so sort of moving forward then so i mean you kind of explained uh what happened when you suddenly you went back on TV until the uh, November of 96 with the nation um, sort of moving forward. Do you have any uh, memories working with nation of domination and working with uh, Ron Simmons? And also how did you actually end up coming back uh, into the company? Let's go back to that opportunity with Cornette. Yeah, that was, yeah. Cornette just, Cornette always liked us. And uh, <clears throat> I guess he was in a, pi- a position of power where he, uh, he just, I don't know if he came up with it or who came up with it. So that we need two rappers to come out of Farouk. I guess PG-13 came up first, and uh, then he called me, and he's like, hey, this is what I need. I need you to write this rap. Uh, here, we're going to send you all some money. <laughs> and me and Jamie went to a bunch of flea markets in Memphis, and we bought all the gold chains and the teeth and the everything, that we, the rings, all that <laughs> shit. It, we, we bought those jackets, and then I don't remember where we got those uh, done at. But, I mean, everything that we wore, we actually went and bought. It wasn't you know, WWE's 
seamstress or anything. We went and bought all that shit and had it made. Uh, and we put the money NOD, that- remember? We put the NOD on it, and they're like, fuck no, it's too close to the NWO. Go put the full words on there, Nation of Domination. So we took them back and got the yeah. Nation of Domination put on there. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, then, uh, like Jamie said earlier, they flew us up there uh, to record the rap. Uh, and I'll tell you the story how they fucked us on that was after they let us go, uh, you know, this was 1997. The internet was not exploded yet and all that kind of stuff. But the the WWE uh, CDs that used to come out with everybody's uh, ring music. So when that, uh, when that edition came out, the nation music did not have me and James. Grab a charger. My phone's dying. Grab a charger. All right. right. So when... Uh, when that version came out, me and Jamie's voice was taken out of it. It was strictly instrumental. Come 2008, after the internet is bigger and everything, I found out that the overseas version, maybe you guys' version there, actually had our voices in it. I guess they oh, thought, really? hear it. You know, they, they didn't know what was going to happen with the internet, I guess. And now I do know that every version except for the united states version had my voice in it so the reason i say that is because royalties i wrote that rap we know everything so they kind of got us on that one nah Damn, bro that's fucking bullshit it's every single time we have someone on the show jack there's always something that the wwf did to fuck someone you know what i mean fucking vince man <laughs> oh, anyway um, so, uh, yeah, Nation of Domination, you're working with Ron Simmons, uh, very closely with him. Uh, you know, what did you learn most about being connected to Ron Simmons? Man, you know, the thing is, because we never wrestled, you know what I mean? So yeah. I, that time there was, it was cool, don't get me wrong, but yeah. we never wrestled. We were just hanging out, honestly. I mean, we'd go up, we'd feed in for a bump or two, do the rap, you know, hanging out afterwards. That's, that's really more what I remember. Just, we were just there. I didn't feel like, you know, cause I feel like I'm a traditional wrestler. That's what I wanted to do. And yeah. we were not that in that, uh, you know, in that situation, which was fine. I mean, it was an easy, easy money every Monday night and uh, once a month days, but me and Jamie wanted to wrestle, man. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, but, you know, you guys are hanging out. You're, you're, you're there for TV. Uh, you're traveling. Is there much of a party scene going on in the WWF at the time? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was Selma City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody was. Uh... But that's the thing. See, me and Jamie came in feeling like. Everybody we was. Had... Uh... Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going. Well, when we got there, you know, like like I fucking knew everybody there from when my dad was the booker for Bill Watts and half of them were there and fucking Shawn Michaels, my old man, gave him his first job with Jose Lothario. And so me and Wolfie went in there. I, I didn't go. We were, I think they wanted us to come in there and act like two new young guys and just shut up and sit down and just play mm-hmm. by their rules. But it kind of wasn't like that. Me, me and Wolfie's like, look, we don't, we don't do interviews with this fucking camera telling me what to say. Turn that shit off. I ain't got to fucking read it. I can sell my product, turn that shit off and tell us what you want us to sell and we'll sell the shit for you. So, I mean, they, they were like, oh, these motherfuckers think they're, uh, you know, I don't know what, uh, but we weren't no young pup rookie fucking just should shut up and sit in the corner. They called us, you know, we didn't call them. They fucking called us and they knew who they were calling. I don't know what they 
thought was going to happen, but we put our input in and we thought we said that the rappers wouldn't do this way or they wouldn't do it that way. And that right. And no, I'm not going to do it like that because we had to think about when we left that building on Monday night, we still had, we were working for WCW, I mean, uh, WWF, ECW, Smoky Mountain and USWA one time, all the fucking, all in the same week sometimes. So, right. I mean, we had to worry about what, what our characters were going to be portrayed is on the other fucking shows, more or less on this WWF show. Fuck you and your WWF one day a week, you know? And, and, and it really was, a, it was a make or break situation when we left because it was one of those, he said, she said, yada, yada, and they fucking fucked us out of our money, asked for a paycheck. Hey, oh, half a face Jim Ross, you old half a face fucker. <laughs> that guy there, he said, fucking coward. He come and said, give me the tickets back. I'm going to upgrade them to first class instead of having the balls to say you two motherfuckers are fired. You know, he fucking little piece of shit come and lie to me and con me and try to, and fuck you. He took my money and you ain't taking my money. You have a face fuck. Karma got your goddamn ass, motherfucker. I got a little yeah. angry about Jim Ross. Sorry, guys. He just. That's okay. <laughs> when I got to thinking about it again, fucking piece of shit. I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> I got mad. Sorry. That's all right. I, I think back to I think it's smoke a joint. I gotta smoke a fucking doobie, man. I got hot. <laughs> that's fine bro I, I think back to things in my past from many years ago when I still get real real pissed off about it so I, I feel you mm -hmm. um, 12th of the 5th 1997 on Raw you guys work against the Legion of Doom I just wanted to know um, you know you guys finally got to wrestle on TV again after all this time uh, how did that all go down well that was our firing <laughs> here they right. are right here I got a honking animal right here with me you see him See my yeah. little brother, my beat 'em up buddies, honking animal right here. They okay. stay with me every day. I love the Royal Warriors. He said, "Well, Wolfie, well, what a rush." <laughs> no, and you know the thing was though, we became really cool with them, uh, and we actually walked out because, as Jamie was saying, we had to kind of think about when we go back, you know, this week to Memphis and the Smoky Mountain, the ECW. They're wanting us to come out here and do a smash job for the Road Warriors. Well, we didn't feel like they're the Road Warriors. Looking back on it right now, it was probably one of the best squash matches ever. I mean, we – in, in, like They even said to us, they said, I wouldn't do it either. And because we packed our shit, we had – we were in our gimmick, but we had our bags, and we walked the fuck out of the building, told them we wasn't doing it, not not the Road Warriors. Well, we did go to them and said, hey. John Michael, John Michael came out. And so – we we walked out. We got to the car, and here comes Shawn Michaels and Ross. And you know, please come back in and do business, please. Blah 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 blah. So we ended up going back and in. Shawn Michaels said he would pay us. He said he would make sure yeah. we got paid if we came in here and did the job for the next month because they took four fucking tickets from us, a month's worth of pay. All right. right. And the thing was too. It's like I told Jamie. I think that night I said, you know, who hasn't fucking been squashed by the Road Warriors? You know. Yeah. <laughs> really. They're the road warriors, man. Fuck. It was a an honor uh, to work with them, and uh, like I said, we we got to be cool with them. They were my heroes. I think they were Jamie's too. But just to, yeah. to, we got together, and honestly, uh, I'll tell you a real quick story uh, that when I tore in 2016 was my last match, April 2016. I tore my tricep tendon off the bone in a match. Well, in that match, I was kind of the booker for this thing. It was the uh, Oh, shit. I can't think of that. Arcadian wrestling out of Tennessee. <clears throat> the lady behind it was a bail bondsman. She had a bunch of money, blah, blah, blah. And Chase Stevens was banging her. And that's how that 
Uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, the, anyway, Animal was on the show. This was after Hawk had passed away. <clears throat> Animal was on the show, and the deal was Smothers and Derek King and somebody else were going to be, you know, getting some heat on me after the match because my match was against Derek. They're going to get heat on me, then play, oh, rush. Here comes Animal. He's supposed to shit can everybody. And I went to him beforehand. I said, man, I said, let's don't just everybody i said shit can too put Derek on your shoulders unless me and you do the the doomsday and he looked at me kind of with his head cocked sideways and he started smiling he said you know i wouldn't do this for just anybody and i said hell no i know that's i love you joe you know and he starts laughing he said all right so in that match i tore my arm i mean ripped my tricep completely off the elbow and i'm thinking there's no way to move yeah so, Anyway, he runs down, and Joe did the Doomsday Device on Derek King, and that was my last match that I've ever had. Right, oh. fucking hell, man! Holy <laughs> shit! Have you, Jack? Let's let's get into some ECW talk, Jack. Yeah, man. So uh, you two go to ECW after uh, sort of leaving the WWF, and um, straight out of the gate, working with the uh, the Eliminators in uh, Perry Satin and John Cronus. Already whom you'd already been with uh, in USWA. How did the locker room welcome you guys? And um, how did you find the initial experience in ECW? Well, see, Paul, Dave, Paul, Paul Heyman was actually in the WWF the night we were supposed to work with the Road Warriors. We did work with the Road Warriors. But, of course, knowing sure. now what I know, I said to Paul, hey, look, man, if we do this fucking job for the Road Warriors in one minute, do we still got a job in your company? And, of course, he had to say yes because how the fuck – he can't very well say no. And then we walk out and then – and now that I – you know, it's this Paul he's fault the boys left because, you know, he, he told him not to do the job. Yada. So I understand right. now. But I wish he'd have pulled me aside and said, hey, motherfucker, don't do this fucking job, man. Because we went from working in the main events with the Eliminators to fucking first and second match against Mikey Whipwreck and Spike Deli, which I love. I would rather work with Mikey and Spike than fucking Eliminators because they're stiff, man. But – but it, the point was, we went from the main event to the fucking first and second match. And I was like, ah, fuck yeah, and make sense of it. it all, you know, you learn and you grow. But he very well couldn't say, don't go do the job for the rollers because he's trying to get in with the WWF too. So I understand now. But at the time, I was like, why didn't this motherfucker just say, don't do the fucking job for the rollers? And we wouldn't have done the job. But like Wolfie said, that was the greatest squash match in history. The fucking people don't even really remember if we, that, that we got beat. They just remember the silly fucking kung fu and the silly no-sell <laughs> the power driver and all the shit that they did. So really, I mean, it didn't affect us and it didn't really hurt us. But it did when the very next week when we flew into ECW, we went from the main event to the fucking first and second match. And I said, ah, life lesson learned. We should have known, man. Fuck, we should have known. Yeah. And do you have uh, sort of any, um, what was the sort of general attitude towards the locker room working, uh, sort of welcoming you guys? I mean, uh, we already mentioned that you'd already worked with so many of them in USWA, so they're already so familiar with you. Um, were they welcoming you guys with, with open arms? Oh, yeah. Man, everybody there was, it was, to me, I don't know, I don't know if me and Jamie Gurr spoke about this, but to me, we were uh, brought into an environment, and I'm talking about Memphis wrestling, where I feel like everybody, nobody would ever put you over when you came back. You know what I mean? Came back, hey, that was good, that was good. Nobody would ever put you over. ECW was a whole different environment to me of that 
the guys were putting each other over is, man, that was good. That was good. I'll never forget. Tommy Dreamer said to me and Jamie said, you know what? Out of everybody that walks to the ring on this card, he said, you two are the only one that actually walked to the ring like real wrestlers. And I thought, damn, you know, and, but just everybody was very receiving of that. And that environment that we were brought into was nobody puts nobody over because that's your spot that mm. you, you know, what I mean? it was kind of the whole cutthroat thing. Memphis was a whole different environment in the dressing room as opposed to up there. And even uh, like WCW, I'll never forget. I, I just posted this on my Facebook. There was a match, me, Jamie and frog against the young dragons. And we come yeah. up with this really, finish and shit and when we came back from the from the uh ring i'm telling you the whole crew arn anderson ddp flair everybody was standing up clapping when we walked through the curtain yeah they and were to me, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but, but awesome, you know man. you know they, the Memphis style wrestling, you can take anywhere, but you can't take anywhere wrestling and put it in Memphis. It just don't work, man. And so everywhere me and Wolfie would go, we would, we would work with the smoking guns, fucking Bill Watts. I said, come here, y'all. These fucking guys, y'all are going to have to lay this whole match out. You know, we're working with the WWF world champs and we got to fucking teach them. You know, I was like, what the fuck? Everywhere we went, they, 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 Jamie Wolfie, y'all, y'all, y'all get a finish with them over there. They knew that we could put it together and we could make it right, whether no matter what it was, because we would involve the Memphis comedy kind of slapstick kind of wrestling involved. And you could take that anywhere. We did it in Mexico. We did it in Puerto Rico. We did it everywhere we fucking went. We just did it. It was really good sometimes. They say, we don't want, we didn't hire you in Mexico to be Mexican. We hired you to be American, what you do, do what you do. So we danced and we slowed the match down and we stopped and we, we did shit that the Mexico people never fucking seen, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I want to know about any stories you guys have on working with Michael Whitwreck and Spike Dudley and also working with the Pitbulls. Um, the pit bulls are stiff motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, uh, but Mikey and and uh, Spike, we just had we worked them a lot. We worked them more than we worked anybody. Yeah, <laughs> great matches, man. Um, I mean, as far as like stories, uh, we didn't really hang out with them afterwards or whatever. Um, but no, I mean, just I can say those are some of my favorite matches. They were they were really good working with us. Yeah, cool, man. Um, the next question is for Jamie. Uh, me and Jack watched this day, and it was a match that you had with Chris Candido, uh, and there was this infamous promo that you cut before the match in New York <laughs> about Francine and the triple threat. Uh, three and, fingers, uh, baby. These three fingers go in Francine's ass. <laughs> uh, and then, like, the fat dude in the crowd flashed his ass oh. at you. Yeah, he fucking mooned me, man. Uh, and listen, I was speechless. The fucking guy mooned me. I never seen that. I was from Memphis, bro. I was like, well, you fucking win, brother. That's off to you. You win, man. Fuck. I was wondering if that's what the case was, because when I watched it back, you were in the middle of your promo and you just stopped when he did it and the crowd popped for what he did. It was amazing. Yeah, never, never is Jamie Dundee a loss for words, but I'll be goddamned at that moment right there. I thought, this motherfucker has won. You win, my friend. You win, sir. And what the fuck else are you going to say? I mean, he, it was great. The people, it was, I, I didn't, I shouldn't even had to wrestle. I should have just got to, had to go back and get paid. Cause that was, we couldn't even, the match didn't even fucking overtop the fact 
guy mooning me, man. That was fucking great. Yeah, it was great. Uh, what did Francine think about what you had to say about the uh, triple threat? Well, you know, that's that company's supposed to be hardcore, man. But I, but even Jamie Dundee was a little too hardcore for that fucking company, bro. Sure. They had a guy in a wheelchair one time, and I said, what the fuck you doing here, Superman? I said, Yo, get up and fly, motherfucker. Get up and fly. They're like, oh, hold on, Dundee. That's just a little too much, man. I said, I thought y'all were extreme, brother. <laughs> And yeah, they had a black guy with a white girl, and I did the OJ on him. I said, God damn, girl, didn't you fucking see the OJ trial? What the fuck's wrong with you, girl? And they were like, no, Dundee, that's a little too much. And I'm like, well, fuck, <laughs> we're just having fun. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so what's the party scene like in ECW? Uh, we've, we've had a few of the ECW guys on. You know, it must be uh, pretty fun at the Holiday Inn after the shows was everything you're thinking it was and a little bit more. <laughs> you just didn't have to hide it there. <laughs> no, no. I think the saying was you got to snort one, eat one, shoot one, or smoke one, but you're going to do one before you go to the fucking ring. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I love it. I remember the story of Sandman dropping two tabs of acid before he had a stairway to hell match with Sabu, and it was a fucking incredible match. These bumps Sandman was taking. I think he got knocked down like five times. I remember the whole fucking crew taking acid, and it was when the goddamn uh, Taco Bell commercial was here, lizard, 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 and New Jack is under the fucking <laughs> ring, and he's going, here, lizard, 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 on the microphone, and fucking I'm tripping balls in the ring, and Jack Victory, I'm like, stay with me, Jack. Oh, just cover me up or something. I don't know about his CB. That's legendary. <laughs> Over to you, Jack. Uh, See, so you guys wrestled Heatwave uh, 1997 against uh, Mikey Whitwreck and Spike again, uh, followed by matches with the Dudley Boys at Hardcore Heaven in 97. Tell us about your experiences working Bubba and Devon. Uh, fucking legendary I, tag team, man. I fucking hated that. I, I, I remember kissing uh, Jenna Jameson. I remember yeah. kissing Jenna Jameson, and, and I thought, damn, that tastes like dick. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only good part of that match. They came to us, and Jenny, remember this. They came to yep. us. We had been the whole time we worked for ECW. Then you go put us on pay-per-view against the Dudleys and tell us we're the baby faces. And you want the Dudleys to do the fucking Memphis spots that we did. It did not make sense to me. Mm. It was stupid. I mean, we on pay on pay-per-view doing the fucking pump handle spot with the fucking Dudleys doing it. No. The, I hated that fucking match. I hated the we way they were. Tippy toe, we did all the Tennessee spots, but we reversed them and we were the fucking baby faces and it just it wasn't yeah. it didn't go away. I, I hated it. Uh I felt like it was honestly, I felt like it was a, a sabotage, and I'm not sure where it came from, but I feel like that was intentional to not let us be on pay-per-view and do our <laughs> shit and look as good as me and Jamie are capable of looking. Yeah. Right, man. Yeah. So, because we would have, we would have stole the show. Because the goddamn kiss spot, the kiss spot stole the show. I think in that match, it was the greatest part of it. And the, <laughs> and the fucking cameraman didn't even get it on film. So. Oh, fucking camera guys, eh? <laughs> um, so it's kind of they kind of surprised me. So do, do you guys kind of feel like the uh, the glove just didn't fit in the end? Because I mean, to us, it seems like you guys would be the perfect fit for ACW. 
But I don't think uh, yeah. it was because of the job on the WWF. It be they had to change the direction because we started with the fucking eliminators, and we were gonna show footage from Memphis where the eliminators never beat PG thirteen. They beat all the other fucking teams, but they never beat us. So we were gonna intertwine the footage. I was gonna bring the tape of the footage, and I believe the WWF squash job or whatever they want to call oh, it against the Road Warriors. When we went back in, we were first to second match, and it was just like. Uh, and honestly, if you ask me, the, every one of their fucking matches were the exact same. It didn't matter who was in it. And we added something different to it. And honestly, I don't give a fuck what nobody thinks. It's a jealousy thing. And it ain't what you know, it's who you know. And uh, I just honestly believe that they were like, you know, you got to – I believe they just kept us down. And I believe they did it on purpose because they knew if they didn't, we was going to steal their fucking show, really. Yeah, it sounds right. I might be biased. I might be a little bit biased. But, you know, I love me. I got a camper full of fucking pictures of me and Wolf. I've, it's called the I Love Jamie Camper. I love it. It's all my wrestling shit. It's just me and my buddies. I sit out here and watch videos of me and Wolf naked in my beanbag chair eating Cheetos trying to lick all the fucking orange spots. But <laughs> yeah, me and Wolf, we were no doubt one of the most underrated tag teams in the history of fucking wrestling. And there was nobody we couldn't work with and make them look good. And that's the trick of wrestling. Ray Mysterio could only look as good as he did because the other guy made him look that fucking good. You know what I'm saying? Not saying nothing for Ray Ray. Ray Ray's one of the greatest. I'm a mark for Ray Ray. But Ray Ray can only look that good because the other motherfuckers there on time to make him look that good, you know? And yeah. me and Wolfie could work with a fucking broomstick, man. We could work with a set of broomsticks and fucking make them look good, I promise. We're going to beat them, but we're going to make them look good before we do. <laughs> yeah, 100%, and I agree. Definitely one of the most underrated tag teams of all time. So you guys resurfaced uh, late '99 in late '99 in uh, WCW. How'd that come about, and uh, who sort of um, put you guys in touch and brought you in? Jeff Jarrett. Go ahead, Whoopi. Yeah, we were working Jared. for Whoopi's dad. Remember working security for your dad? I said, "We'll guard Jeff," and we went to the guard Jeff and got a job that yeah. Monday. Jeff, Jeff had always been uh, helpful to me and Jamie. He was the when we got our break in Memphis. Uh, we were working uh, a show in Kentucky. Beaver Dam, Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, and Jeff was there. And Jamie knew Jeff, obviously, and said, uh, hey, man, film this match for us and take it to your dad. And Jeff literally held the old VHS camera on his shoulder. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And filmed the match. We were working uh, Brick House and uh, Pistol Pez, I think it was. And uh, Jeff filmed it, took it to his dad. His dad liked it. Uh, he told us to come to the come to the mansion, which was the office and his house. And uh, the first time we went to Jerry Jarrett's, he was sick and he blew us off. Yeah, blew us off. The second time we went, he was there. He was still sick though. And and uh, Jamie said, Wolfie, if we can make him laugh, we got a job. And so, you know, <laughs> and he said. Said, well, let me see it. He said, I've been hearing about this gimmick. Let me see it. So we went in the bathroom. We changed our clothes, come out with that hub cap around our neck, and Jerry Jarrett started laughing. <laughs> that's how we got he said, He said, what is that? He said, what the hell is that? We said, that's the finish. He said, aha. Oh, I like that. I like that. I said, yeah, I told him. I was looking at Wolf. Yeah, we're we going to get a job. And then, you know, we were young buck kids. We wanted to hurry up and start. And he said, we're going to make videos. We're going to make four weeks of rap videos, man. And me and Wolfie's like, fuck, we want to go to work, man. But 
the rap videos really were good shit because by the time we hit Memphis and people was already behind us, man, they was already, hey, oh, they was already with the fucking theme song and everything. So it was good shit. So that's why Jerry Jarrett was Jerry Jarrett, you know? <laughs> awesome. Um, there's uh, the 21st of December, 99. It's uh, your in-ring debut in WCW on Thunder against Mike Rotunda and Rick Steiner. I know Rick Steiner is notorious for being a little a little stiff. Uh, how did the uh, debut go and how did you feel about it? I don't think we, we didn't know well at all. <laughs> only thing I really remember about that match, though, is Rick put Jamie on the top rope and was going to off. And Jamie hung on to that motherfucker like he was he, he wasn't going, man. <laughs> yeah, but here the spot was supposed to be he's gonna put me on the fucking top rope and he's gonna shoot me off to the side and I'm on a nut shot on the top rope. But I thought I forgot and I thought he was setting me up for a fucking belly to back off the top. And I didn't want to take that. <laughs> so I'm holding that fucking turnbuckle. He said, go. I said, uh-uh. Hmm. He said, God damn it, Jamie, go. I go, no, fuck no. He said, God damn it, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? He punched me in the fucking ribs, and he threw me over the side, and I missed the top rope, and I fucking land in the ring, and he comes down, and he goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I go, I'm good now, I'm good now. <laughs> they, they weren't happy because they were going to have to put us over in this lethal lottery bowl. And they just, yeah. we were so little, and then, you know, they're Mike Rotunda and fucking Rick Steiner, and they got fucking uh, Kevin Sullivan in the corner, and they're not happy that they got to put us over, first of all. So I thought, oh, no, this motherfucker's put me on the top rope to give me a belly to back because he's mad. At, fuck no, he's not going to take it out on me. And I just held. It wasn't like, uh, you know, he wanted me to go. I was going to go because he's fucking Rick Steiner. But, <laughs> but I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do this. No, fuck no, but... And then I fucked the spot all up and we got in the dressing room. He's like, what the fuck was that? I go, man, I just, I forgot what you was going to do, brother. And I thought I was going to get a belly to back and I'm not man enough to take that. So he fucking, he's like, ah, oh, damn, Jamie. But they, they weren't happy about it at all because they had to put us over for, to move on to the next fucking round to, to work with DDP by himself. Right. <laughs> Um, I also had in my notes that you guys work with, uh, and, I, and I've seen this recently, working with Nash and Scott Steiner on Nitro. I believe this is your first Nitro match that you guys had. Uh, I think the match only lasted 15 seconds or something. Uh, uh, what's that was going the on second here? round of the Lottery Bowl. Yeah, that was right. the second round, but it was really, it was DDP and no partner, and he comes to the ring and gives us both the fucking I diamond cutter, you. yada, yada, and then then they come down and 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 uh, I think he gets disqualified is what it is. They disqualify DDP, so we go to the next round, but we're already out from the stun from the the diamond cutter. So they just come down and spray paint us and uh, then put their feet on us one, two, three. You know, so really, uh, really, we advanced all the way to the finals in the fucking bowl, but uh, <laughs> didn't 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 work out well for us in the end. <laughs> you remember too? They wanted to uh, spray paint our shorts and shit, and we were like, "Fuck no, yeah. we're not." We're not making the money you motherfuckers are making. This is the only pair yeah. of fucking shoes got, and you're not. Yeah, yeah the motherfuckers. Yeah, <laughs> and then they cost twenty five dollars to make some more, and we don't fucking want to spend it on fucking shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Over to you, Jack. It doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense to me that uh, you know a company would hire, you know, you guys, but uh, never give you a pinfall victory. 
Um, so according to Carl's and our research, uh, you guys never picked up a single pinfall victory in WCW while you were there. So what was the point in hiring you guys in the first place if there was nothing really to be done with you? And, you know, it's not like to you guys it, were an unknown tag team either. To make everybody else look good. That's what, when they say it's almost an insult in the wrestling business when somebody tells you you're a good hand. Mm. Uh, that a lot, especially at WCW. And, you know, the, the time period when we were there, that company was in the shitter anyway. Uh, yeah, Russo. They, they had it. Russo back and they had fucking, what's his name? The fucking blonde haired, gray haired dude, whatever, uh, the killed the wrestling business, whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, they had both of them. Remember, they were fighting and they really didn't know who was going. And, and we were in there with Jarrett. So if you're in there with Jarrett, then that means you're on fucking Russo's team. And so, those yeah. that we, it was it was one of the wrong time man and it was really just Jeff Jarrett gave us a job because we were making ten dollars an hour working for a security company for a Wolfie stepdad and 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 Jeff Jarrett was coming to Nashville to sell fucking advanced tickets for WCW and me and Wolfie said let us come on let us guard him you know somebody's got to guard him they had to send two guys so me and Wolfie dressed up in our security outfits and went to the limo and opened the fucking door and welcome Mr. Jarrett he said what the fuck are y'all doing? We said, we're making 10 bucks an hour. Follow me, sir. And we walked into the fucking building. And by the end of the show, he had us booked. And we were starting on the very next fucking Nitro. But it was wrong time, man. It was, uh, if Jeff's side would have took off, we would have took off, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could totally see that. If uh, Maybe if um, Russo wasn't, um, I guess, uh, sent home or he didn't go home after those first three months, he was running things because of all the politics then perhaps PG-13's run wouldn't have been disrupted when someone else was now given the book in January of 2000. Yeah, Eric Bischoff fucking his side or whatever you want to call it. Just like in the 70s when fucking, when the Jarrett's and Lawler stole fucking USWA from Nick Goulas. If you didn't make the right decision then, you were fucking, your career was done. You know, Bill Dundee happened to go with Lawler and Jarrett and it worked for him. But if he would have chose fucking to go with Jackie Fargo and Nick Goulas and not Lawler and Jared, he would have fucking went back home to Australia because it was the wrong move to make. And me and Wolfie went in with Jeff, so we were considered part of Jeff's Tennessee boys, yada, yada. So when Eric Bushoff took back over, we were done. When they got rid of Jeff and everybody, they got rid of everybody he brought in or he knew too. So we just happened to be on yeah. that side of the train. Yeah. And it sort of uh, brings us to our next point then. So how are you two feeling about uh, sort of life and uh, sort of wrestling as a whole, uh, being a career moving forward? As your run with uh, WCW was winding down, you've already been with all big three companies at this point, and uh, it didn't seem like you guys were the perfect fit in the end for each of those companies. So how were you guys sort of feeling, and uh, what was next on the cards for PG-13? Well, I mean, I was going in and out of jail. I was fucking on crack cocaine. I mean, I was at the... I was blowing up. I was killing my own career, if not myself, at the same time, because that's what happens when you get in a fucking entertainment business, no matter what it is. Once you go to the top, there's nowhere to go but fucking down. And nobody ever thinks about that. Everybody thinks about, I can't wait to, you know, if I chase my dream and be the greatest rock star or the greatest wrestler or the greatest. Yeah, but nobody ever thinks about when it's over. And when it's over, that's that's what a lot of lot of men can't handle bro it's hard to go from wrestlemania to a fucking jail cell and then work at walmart it's fucking hard man yeah but life goes on after the wrestling business but that's why most 
most wrestlers die before they were fucking 40 ODing in a hotel because their run had ended and they thought it was the end of their world. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, yeah. it's a tragic fucking story, but we hear it over and over and over and over and over again. It's hard to fall from grace, bro. To, you know, it's all good and fun chasing that dream. And when you catch it and you get to the top, but nobody ever thinks about what happens after you're at the top. Well, there's nowhere to go but fucking down, and that's that's hard to grasp, man. It's a lot of people can't handle it, bro. They're a sin against their own talent. They just can't handle the me, myself included. But lucky for me, I, I said fuck the wrestling business, and I burned every bridge and cussed every fucking promoter and no showed everybody like George Jones and fuck them. I'm out of the wrestling business. Uh, wrestling, I just I hate it. I hate everything about it now. I hate the way it is. I hate the people in it. I, I fucking hate it. I just I can't stand it, man. I totally feel you, man. I, I do not enjoy any wrestling company going today or what's going on. It's uh, not what it once was. Um, so while Jamie's going through this period after WCW, I wanted to get to you, Wolfie, and, and, and talk to you about uh, reinventing yourself. You bulk up a shitload to the point where I didn't even realize that you were Slash from TNA and I had no idea that Wolfie D and Slash were the same person until a few months ago when I was like reading up on you. And I'm like, holy shit, that was him? That guy was fucking yeah, jacked. Yeah, that wasn't him. That was Slash. That was a crazy <laughs> fucking dude, bro. <laughs> so, uh, that dude was nuts, man. That motherfucker was really Slash, bro. <laughs> so, Wolfie, what, what led you to, uh, uh, you know, bulking up? Uh, you're going to OVW. What led to this massive change? Steroids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nah, man, it's like, I swear to God, I was at a show. I, I want to say Mississippi or something. It was a USWA show. I was by myself, Jamie, with table. And I had my pictures and my hubcap on the table as normal. And the kid comes up and he goes, what is that? And at my hubcap. I said, it's a hubcap. He didn't know what a... <laughs> I honestly started thinking, you know what? This fucking gimmick is becoming obsolete. Kids don't even know what the fuck this is. <laughs> and and honestly, it, it really has turned to that where, you know, you don't see how unless they're plastic. So I thought about that. And then the whole John Cena thing was going on. And regardless of who was first, who came up with it first, he had that national exposure that made us look like we were impersonating him to these little well, kids. Yeah. We were John wannabes and i just thought to myself i got to do something different not to mention you know when we were younger we looked apart i started feeling like eh, fuck i don't even look the part anymore for this gimmick and so then i just came up with the whole slash thing i called cornet and uh, you had a wreck didn't you have a car wreck that fucked you up and that's what started the whole thing wasn't it well it, i was i was ejected yeah um i got ejected out of a car and all this kind of stuff and the people legit thought that that's what was wrong with my eye um, is why I had this, the cut and, and the white eye and all that shit. So they did kind of buy that for a minute. But then I called Cornette and I, and I went up there and uh, he made great use of me and this other douche that I'll not say his name. Um, nah, I worked me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and then that actually got me uh, – to TNA, Jeff saw it, and then that's where I got a good run at TNA with Brian Lee as tag team champions. And, you know, I, I think that some of my best shit was in TNA. Um, but, again, 
the at the end oh, of that. Gee, thanks. Well, wow, thanks, man. <laughs> no, <laughs> of that gimmick, I did. And the thing was, though, another uh, Vince Russo was he got to TNA, and then suddenly. Uh, you know, me and Brian were, were heels, and then the, the crowd started loving us, chanting evil and shit all the time. Brian fucked off. Then they put Flash in there with me. They put Sin in there with me. They put Crowbar in there with me. But kind of like me and Jamie, me and Brian Lee were good together, and I, I could not, for the life of me, create what me and Brian had, just as if I'll never be able to create what me and Jamie had again. Yeah. And so it just didn't work. And then they try to make us baby faces, and Vince Russo was like, "I don't know what to do with you guys." It was that whole we we don't uh, what's the word they use we uh, we, we the creative and, have have nothing for you yeah that type of deal, and so then they let us go, and then you know after that you know I pretty much just did independent shit. I started a wrestling school in Nashville, and then it was just kind of like, why am I even doing this anymore? Because the way the business has changed, if you're not with one of the big you know, two or three or whatever, you're not going to make no fucking money. You got to struggle to get bookings. It's just. You got to fight the fucking security guards and the fucking marks because they fucking mad at you because Uncle Johnny got punched in the face or some shit. It's fucking terrible, man. Goddamn ridiculous. But then I found Carson. I would have found that a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) I found selling selling weed was really a good fucking marketing strategy. So I sell weed. Anybody need some weed, hit me up. <laughs> well, if, if we're ever up your way, Jamie, we'll we'll definitely indulge. Um definitely look me up. I got it all, man. <laughs> uh Wolfie, I, I did want to ask another question about TNA before we move on from there. Um I just want to know what it was like working with Jim Mitchell because this guy is brilliant as far as I'm concerned. Um I'd love the chance to talk to him one day because I think he'd scare the shit out of my co-host. Um what was it like <laughs> working closely with him? He's he's great, man. Uh, like you said, I mean, one of the best promos in the business, man. Um, and, and me and him just, we meshed well. And he knew, he even told me that a few times. He said, you're my fucking meal ticket, man. Because <laughs> how, how they kept putting everybody with me, because they knew right. that carry him at least a little bit. That I could never, I never had the partner and not taking anything away from the other ones. But, you know, sometimes there's just that, that thing, that X factor that you can't put on describe it but in brian meshed like me and jamie now was pg-13 better than the disciples of the new church probably so but it was very close it was very close and but yeah. jim knew it he he knew man he said you're the staple man that's why they keep you here and uh you know i still talk to him today i love jim to death man yeah he's cool man um so uh, I wanted to, we, we're getting pretty close to the end here, guys. Um, PG-13 entered Juggalo Championship Wrestling in 2010 and 2012. You guys work a few matches there, I think, uh, with Gangrel, uh, some other guys. Yes, um, yeah, uh, so like you two had, hadn't teamed together for a while. So what was it like getting back in there and doing it again? Uh, it was fun, man, and 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 I tell this story because this is the only place that you could have gotten away with this spot. But me and Kevin Fertig, uh, Azriel, I think is what he worked as in WWE. Uh, Kevin uh, Thorne. Yeah, and uh, you know we didn't go to the Seven. ring, Jamie. Remember, we didn't go to the ring till like five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, flashlight wrestling. Flashlight yeah. wrestling. The fucking juggalos yeah. had flashlights, and if your match sucked, they turned the lights off on you. 
<laughs> yeah. So me and me and Kevin are outside the ring, and there's a chick in the front row with no shirt on, tits hanging out everywhere. Right? She's got the the face paint on and all that shit. And her tits I, are face painted. Remember? And she I, face painted the tits too. <laughs> I look at the chick and I look at her and I look at the crowd. I take his face and I motorboat him in her boobs, and he's. <laughs> You know, something's you got powder thrown in his face or something, but it was one of the biggest pops that you could not ever do anywhere else but there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought ECW was a good fit for PG 13, but JCW might be just a little bit more. Uh, you know, I, I spoke to Two Tough Tony only a few weeks ago, and uh, I love those guys. Uh, here's the thing in WCW, they actually came to us uh, when they were given ICP their little run or whatever. And they said, we want to put you guys with ICP. And I was like, fuck no, no, they're not killing my career. Cause they, I thought they were the shits, man. I mean, they're smart guys, they're millionaires, but in terms of putting me with you to make you look good, I just, I didn't like them. I didn't want to do it. And I was very vocal about it. And I think Jamie was kind of on the other end of that. I think he, he did end up, he liked them and I didn't. And that might have been also why our WCW run was like it was because I refused to uh, team up with those guys. Right, prima donna, you prima donna motherfucker. That's what somebody <laughs> would have said. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it was probably a good idea in the end to not go with that because ICP were very uh, in Terrible. WCW at least. They were just they were just unreliable. They wouldn't show up, or the, they were supposed to go to the ring and they weren't even in you know, gorilla position or anything but, to go. But, so they ended up. They weren't stuff. wrestlers, so they didn't have to. You know, they were fucking rappers. And that's another thing that kind of like, you know, WCW went with basketball players, fucking baseball players, and they have Drew Carey. <laughs> I mean, any fucking body could come work for WCW. And didn't even, and so I think that's another reason why he's like, fuck no, man. I'm not letting these two fucking. The, and then. And, and, yeah, I mean, the truth's the truth. Their fucking work was god-awful. They were fucking terrible. But but, but because me and Wolfie had the rapping gimmick, I think was where the idea came from. Hey, we'll put these two with PG-13 right. and kind of make them like a fucking oddities gimmick. And uh, but I mean, uh, I liked them. I was I was a fan of because I mean I was a fan of the entertainment part. I was the entertainment as far as the silly shit. Wolfie was always thinking of wrestling moves and inventing shit and really, really uh, studying wrestling. Me, I was studying fucking mic work and, and uh, you know, maybe who I can knock off on the next one, who's got the coke. And anyway, I was just all about the fucking party. And Wolfie was honestly trying to make sure PG-13 did this right and did that right. And and so, I mean, I could definitely now, I definitely, I'm glad he did. He said no, but at the time I was like, come on, man, fuck. It, to me, it was job security. We'll work with ICP and get a fucking little run right here, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um. Jamie, I wanted to bring this up with you because I interviewed uh, Mike Moran, who used to be in the Texas Hangman. Uh, hey, can he, bring me a charger? He told me a story about Shout. how um, the Texas Hangman lost their job in USWA over a situation with Bull Payne. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to get your side of the story on what happened with Bull Payne in USWA. Can't turn a hoe into a housewife, bro. <laughs> and he fucking tried to turn a hoe into a housewife. The, the, the chick is fucking, I'm not even going to mention her name, but the people, if they know Bull, they'll know who it is. But my dad ended up marrying the fucking chick like five years later. So, I mean, it was just a fucking, it, I was a 19-year-old kid. This chick was fucking 25 and, you know, giving me everything I need and all the money I want and, 
And, uh, of course, you know, she was already a ring rat. So, I mean, it was I didn't even know that there was a big picture of her kissing Elvis Presley in my fucking living room. And it was my dad. <laughs> and I never fucking knew it. I thought it was Elvis the whole fucking time. I was like, this chick knows Elvis. And then my mother was actually the one that said, do you know who that fucking chick is? And I'm like, no, who's that chick? And she said, that chick is your daddy's ring rat. And I was like, oh, no, what the fuck? And then Bullfang came home and really, he ran off with her. And I was so fucking glad. You know, the old saying said, my friend ran off with my wife and I sure miss him. <laughs> oh, gosh. What a nightmare. Uh, the truth of the story is, yeah, and Mike was mad as fuck because he knew it cost him their job because, you know, uh, I might have just been a little old manager, but I was still Dundee's boy, and that was still our territory, and uh, that was the end of it, bro. They fucking sent them on their way, man, and I loved working with them guys, man. Uh, we rode with them up and down the road. We all caught the crabs. Did he tell you that story? <laughs> yeah. No, he said to mention the yeah. crab story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all caught the Crabs. These guys got masks on. They want me to go in and buy the fucking shampoo. I said, fuck no. Y'all wear masks. You go buy the fucking shampoo. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, so uh, we've only got a couple more to go. Uh, Jack, let's let's get to uh, your final couple questions there. Yeah, so we just wanted to sort of... Uh, we always like asking these questions because, man, wrestling fans are fucking strange. Do you guys have any sort of weird fan interactions that stand out? <clears throat> what about Beth? Wolfie, we, Wolfie, we got Beth, the tape lady. <laughs> <laughs> the tape lady. Yes. Oh, Beth, I still talk to her to this day because uh, our wrestling fans didn't only just be fans. They were fucking – actually, they become members of your family in a sense because you see them every single day on that fucking day. They're in that same chair and if they're not there you know that some oh my god did they die i mean why are they not because in the uswa it was the same town on the same day every monday memphis tuesday louisville wednesday evansville nashville on saturday after tv on saturday morning and that's where we did every day of our life for fucking 20 years straight and so the fans become friends of yours i guess family members because you roll into town you go to their house you eat they give you gas I mean, they, they take care of you, and then you, you don't see them for another week. So, I guess all of our fans, or all of my fans, I guess, or whatever you want to call them, I still love them and talk to them today, a lot of them. Oh, that's cool, man. That's awesome. Um, we wanted to know, do you, do you have any regrets from, from your time in professional wrestling? I think we could have did uh, a few things better as far as our – out of ring activities that probably cost us a few things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all about politics. It goes back to anything. It does. If look, me and Wolfie made it to the WWF, and we we literally quit smoking pot. I quit smoking pot for thirty days, and you know, and and I tried to do the right thing, and we roll up in this fucking place, and they are popping pills and fucking snorting and hell raising, and everybody's fucking partying, and we're like. What the fuck did we just quit for then? And it's all about politics. You're supposed to show up and just shut up and be a new boy or whatever. And that wasn't us. We we were fucking done. We done drew money in Memphis. So what the fuck? Yeah. 
blame me. My daddy gave them guys their first job. It, it's a lot to do with politics, man. It's honestly, it ain't what you know, it's who you know, and if you make the right decision. Because in life, you always got to make the fucking, is it you going to go left or you're going to go right? And if you make the wrong one, it's just fucking over for you, man. That's yeah. Cool. Um, so we have one final segment to get to, uh, which is just a bunch of quick fire questions to get to know about you both a little bit more. But there's one final question before I get there. And this might be the most hippie fucking question I'm going to ask. The most soppy one, but I had to ask it. What do you both mean to one another? Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, I love you, man. We've had our, we've had our ups and downs. But honestly, uh, even though, like, he'll tell you, we, we just don't talk that much anymore. And, uh, but there's, there's one thing that, you know, that can never be taken away is, uh, you know, we made it to the top with each other. Uh, I appreciate everything uh, that he's ever done for me as far as, you know, in the ring. Hell, we've, we've cried together. We've, we've had the best of times together. Uh, almost makes me want to cry right now. Shut up before you cry. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> but uh, I mean, when you pursued uh, your childhood dream, I mean, uh, I've said this before. I, I quit school to be a wrestler. I once I found out wrestling, I quit school and I started wrestling on time. I met him and we went to the top together. You know, um, I love him like a brother, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably I love Wolfie probably more than you would love a brother because I mean, uh, there's so much that we've done together, good and bad. And uh, like you said, man, it, it, the rest of it is just such a tragedy end when at the end for most people, man. And I just I just hope Wolfie's the rest of his life is just happy and uh, fuck this wrestling business, man. I like to talk about it, but it just hurts me, man. It makes me sad, and uh, I just love you, Wolf. Love you too, man. Now there was definitely, uh, there was just a, and it, you, you said the hippie sappy, this is kind of sappy too, but there was just some kind of uh, magic that, that me and Jamie had together. I mean, if it was just a look, I could look at him and he knew what I was thinking in the ring and you just, you can't pull that off with everybody. You just can't. There was something that me and him had together. We both uh, fed off of each other's negatives as well as each other's positive. I feel like he made me better in certain areas and I made him better in certain areas. And, you know, it was like, we, even if we fucked up, nobody could tell because we were, we were so good together. We could cover the other one. If that makes any yeah. sense. It was, I mean, it was just even, even fucked up spots or fucked up things or whatever. It still looked great because, uh, we just, I don't know, it's the Rock and Roll Express has got it. I mean, the Midnight Express had it. There's a, there's not, you know, you, could, you can't just put two people together and say you're going to be a fucking tag team. It don't work. Yeah. That's it, man. Absolutely. You got to be brothers. You got to be tight just yeah. like this to make it work and, and know what, what each other's thinking as you're both saying. So, and uh, I feel proud to, uh, you know, I've, I've heard both of you just, talk so candidly about one another it, it means a lot for our show for you guys to do that so thank you yeah thank, thank you man i really appreciate it um so the last segment on the show is a fun segment it's 10 quick fire questions guys it's just to learn a little bit about you and the other things that you like in life there's a couple wrestling related ones but most of them are just random shit um so here we go five second frenzy wolfie d jc ice jamie dundee your yes, favorite wrestler? Jamie Dundee. Ready Savage. Ready Savage. 
Uh, your favorite opponent? Oh, man. Rock and Roll it. Express in the Louisville Gardens. It, but it, see, here's the thing. When people ask me that, it's such God, it's a so hard. broad question because there's – I've had great <laughs> matches with – other people that didn't draw money. I've had great matches with them that did drew money. So there's many favorite opponents, but for different reasons. Right. If that makes WrestleMania sense. WrestleMania 13, because it's WrestleMania. The job against the Road Warriors, because they're the Road Warriors. The Rock and Roll yeah. Express in the Louisville Gardens when they pass oh, the torch. I mean, fuck it. Yeah. I can keep on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. But to me, the Rock and Roll Express passing the torch to me and Wolfie beats or even <laughs> WrestleMania for me. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, favorite TV show? Uh, right now, I'm into The Mandalorian. <laughs> Excellent. I'm into fucking Family Guy and South Park, and uh, I'm a pot smoker. You know, I'm into all that kind of shit. Classic. Yeah, I, lo I love that shit too, man. Uh, favorite film? Mine, The, the Last Castle, because I played in it. What was that, sorry, Terminator. The Last Castle, because I was in that movie, me and Tracy Smothers. Wolfie and them tried out, but they wouldn't cut their hair. Me, I didn't give a fuck. Me and Tracy shaved our heads and rolled up in there, and we wanted to be fucking movie stars with Robert Redford. Can I call you Bob, sir? I said. <laughs> uh, favorite musical artist? Kiss. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go ACDC, because they're from Australia, mate. <laughs> fuck My yeah, new... My new Gene Simmons tattoo. Oh, awesome, man. Awesome. Massive Kiss fan. My, my car seat's my car seat. covered in Kiss Love Gun. Uh, I got to meet Ace Frehley. Really? That was at uh, Ace Frehley. Um, I did a show in um, Nashville at the convention center, and my buddy Ben. Brian. It wasn't uh, you and Brian Christopher. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, I came back from the ring, and uh, – Ben, who owns tattoo shops and does all that stuff in Nashville, runs horror conventions. It was his convention oh, that we were wrestling at. Yeah. And uh, so when I came back from the ring, he's like, hey, I got somebody I want you to meet. And he took me in this room and there was Ace Frehley signing his book and all that shit. It's pretty cool. Oh, man. Fuck, that must yeah. be huge. Um, favorite food? Damn. Pussy. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Shit, I don't know. I like all kinds of food, man. I'm a, I got a huge sweet tooth, so that's probably why I got the stomach on me now. <laughs> uh, favorite place to eat in the road? Waffle House, baby. At the Y, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite alcohol? Waffle beverage? House, for sure. For sure, Waffle House, man, all day long. Waffle that's House. That's the answer every time. We, we get that a lot. Uh, favorite alcoholic beverage? Vodka. <laughs> Vodka? Jamie, beer? I haven't drank in 10 years, man. I fucking hate drinking because there's videos of me when I was drinking and if people could see their self when they were drinking, they wouldn't fucking drink no more. Right. Fair <laughs> enough. I ain't got, I ain't got no drunk stories, Jamie. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but I just can't bring myself to drink. I haven't drank in 10 years because of them fucking videos, man. So if people want to sober up, just film your fucking self being an asshole and watch your back when you're sober and you'll fucking quit. <laughs> I'm guessing you're talking about the kayfabe commentaries uh, interview. 
Ah, uh, oh, that'd be the one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I only got halfway through it and I had to stop watching it. But um. <laughs> oh, man, listen, yeah, I've never watched it because I, me and Iron Sheik did one like fucking for two hours, mm-hmm. though, two rooms down, and then somehow I stumbled down there to that guy. And oh, I don't gosh. even fucking remember being there, man. <laughs> so uh, I've never brought myself to watch it. I can't bring myself to watch it fully. I just seen the little inserts. I fucked me. Man, that, that right there, I quit drinking. I promise. That's a, ain't had a drop since that day, man. Fair oh, enough, man. bro. Fair enough. Uh, the second last one on the list favorite female body part? <laughs> it's what mine is the pussy. <laughs> I could have guessed. I'm a butt man. Fuck yeah. man. Yeah. After, after watching a bit of ECW today, I, I've been thinking about Francine's butt all day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the final one, favorite cuss word. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it has to be fuck. Man, I'll tell you what, Jack, fuck is like number one. It, 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 is, it is by insurmountable. It's like, it's like gimmick. You can, you can insert gimmick into any sentence and it makes sense, but so does fuck. <laughs> yeah, you can use it as an adjective, a noun, a verb, a helping verb. You can put it anywhere, yeah, however do you put you it. You don't know what comes a helping out. verb is. Would you shut up? You I do. Know it's a verb. Help <laughs> another verb. You were you were my helping verb. <laughs> you don't even. You don't. You don't know what a mollusk is. A mollusk. Listen, Wolfie answered a question one time at my mother's house on Jeopardy, and the fucking answer was mollusk. And that's a snail. It's a little snail without a shell. <laughs> he thought I was the smartest person on the face of the earth when I, when I said mollusk. <laughs> My mother said, bloody wolf, he's a little smart. I said, yeah, he's smart. He knows mollusk. <laughs> so, no, I agree on the word fuck. You, you hit your toe on the, on the leg of a table. Fuck. Fuck, uh, yeah. You see, if you're mad at somebody, yeah. If you're mad, it's fuck you. If you're not mad, it's like holy fuck, Jesus fucking Christ! It's what yeah, the if fuck? It, if it, if it feels really anywhere, good, anywhere. fuck. Yeah, fuck. You, you see Francine in a tight dress in the late nineties. You go fuck. fuck. <laughs> yeah, but if she's in the triple threat, you know what that means. <laughs> now I know you taught me, bro. You taught me, bro. Yeah, yeah. I swear, though, the best part of this whole interview has been Jamie saying helping verb. I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know the word. That, that really, Jamie, that you saying helping yep. verb makes me go fuck. <laughs> 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 well, let me tell you something. When I was incarcerated while you were being slash, I got my GED. It's called a JED because it's a jail educated diploma, but I got that motherfucker and I studied. <laughs> they taught me verb and help me verb. Yeah. G is for jail, baby. Yeah, T is for terrible, H is for hell, U is for ugly, and G is for jail because a thug case fail. We love you, Tracy. <laughs> Well, I just want to thank you guys, PG-13, for being on the show here today. This has been definitely one of the most fun interviews we've done. I think, Jack, uh, I can yeah. speak for you as well. What yeah. a great time. Uh, thank you so much for your time, guys. We really appreciate it. And, hey, and thank you, bro. Guys, really, I enjoyed it. My pleasure, and I uh, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Wolfie, I love you, man. And, uh, Jack, I'm going to fly to Australia one day soon. We'll get together. Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. 
Awesome, guys. And again, before before I sail off to the sunset tonight, um, even though shit didn't work out because of politics and bullshit, it happens with a lot of guys we spoke to. But in Perth, Western Australia, you got two guys right here that jive with what you guys did in the wrestling business. And, you know, you guys should be proud of what you did because you created something fucking special. You were memorable and one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated tag team in wrestling history. Man, thank, thank you, you very man. much. Brother. You know, it means a lot to me to know that somebody fucking cared, bro. You know what I mean? All that blood, sweat, and tears, and somebody fucking cared. That means a lot, bro. Thank you. No worries, bro. And thanks, guys. And thank you guys for watching the show here on the WCWA Network. I am your host with the most California Fury alongside PG-13, our new brothers. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you very much, brother. Be safe. You too, guys.